0: We will go ahead and get started. Let's just have a quick word of prayer and then we'll get into things this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and learn from your word this morning. I thank you for revealing yourself in your word to us. Uh, Without the truths that we find here, we would uh, truly just be helpless and for our salvation and for our daily living. We thank you for books like the book of Proverbs that uh, can tell us so much about how you expect us to live, how you want us to live and how we as believers should desire to live. And I just pray that the study this morning would help us to that end, that we would be conformed to your image and uh, live for your purposes. And I just thank you for each and every person who is here. Pray for those who are not able to make it this morning, being under the weather or traveling or whatever the circumstances are. We just uh, ask for your will to be done in our services this morning and in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So today have a couple of interesting articles, and Nick, if you, I meant to tell you before if you could X out of that stuff and maybe uh, scroll it up a bit. I wish I had more control over those things uh, up here, but I don't, unfortunately. Here's one from uh, the, it's an IMF blog, the International Monetary fund i am completely unprepared <laughs> let's see here there it is uh, it's about the uh digital currencies or crypto as it's uh often referred to as and in you know, a digital currencies are something that we probably ought to pay attention to um as believers as i it would seem that they are a a sign <clears throat> that we are getting closer and closer to a period of time where a world government could have absolute control over everything that's bought and sold like we learned about in revelation uh, chapter 13 well crypto is kind of interesting because it began as a way for people to have a currency that wasn't under government control, uh, which was which was kind of interesting. And like, oh boy, this is this is an interesting thing—a way to buy and sell uh, with a currency that governments aren't in control of. That's how it was originally uh, started. But this article—it's it's a blog from the International Monetary Fund. Uh, it says begins by saying the recent plunge in crypto assets has left investors numbed by losses and surely in doubt, but the future of money is undoubtedly digital. The question is, what will it look like? So the International Monetary Fund, they of course would not be in favor of uh, things like Bitcoin and, and these various digital currencies that aren't under government control. Uh, clearly, uh, because they don't have control over them. <laughs> and so that, that would be something that's sort of troubling to those who want to have power. It goes on to say, of course, digital money has been developing for some time already. New technologies hope to democratize finance and broaden access to financial products and services. The main goal is to achieve much cheaper, instantaneous domestic and cross-border payments. Not every form of digital money will prove viable. Bitcoin, now down nearly 70% from its November peak, and other crypto assets fail as money, says Singapore's Ravi Menon, among others. While they are actively traded and heavily speculated on, prices are divorced from any underlying economic value. And so how do we solve this problem? And the, the IMF says... Regulation is key. The regulatory fabric is being woven, and a pattern is expected to emerge. Explain the IMF's uh, name that I can't pronounce, but the longer uh, this takes, they argue, the more national authorities will get locked into differing regulatory frameworks. They call for globally coordinated regulation to bring order to markets, help instill consumer confidence, and provide a safe space for innovation. So there you go. We need some kind of world regulatory body to control these digital currencies, or even better, to have one digital currency for all the world, like uh, the Lord of the Rings, one ring to rule them all. If we could just get one governmental force, then all of our problems would be solved. And that is something that is ongoing. I had another article that showed all of the the uh, digital currencies. They certainly are kind of going national, like it was uh, basically a map that shows all the countries of the world that are developing a digital currency or that are currently have one. Uh, and it's pretty much Worldwide, that nations are developing digital currencies. The United States uh, not being an exception. We are doing the same thing. And so uh, the, the, you can just see that the drive is toward some sort of currency that will be run by a world government uh, agency. We are getting closer and closer as the day's go by. Uh, Here's another one that is kind of a thorn in the side of uh, the world forces, and that is the nation of Russia, that it would seem that there are a few barriers to world government. This article is uh, sanctioned Russian bank bypasses Zwift. Zwift is, is the uh, method i 'm no financial expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it 's kind of the uh, system that nations use to uh, buy oil from one another and do kind of financial transactions and Swift is the name of the the system that essentially the whole world uses, but now that Russia is being sanctioned uh, because of their invasion of Ukraine they have created a way where they can bypass swift and still do monetary transactions with uh, other nations and so we see a development of uh kind of a counter culture to globalism in based in russia and kind of in the east russia and china partnering together in that Uh, article says one of russia's top banks vtb has become the first lender in the country to launch money transfers to china in yuan sidestepping the global financial messaging system swift Uh, the new reality is leading to a massive abandoning of the use of the u.s dollar and the euro in international payments vtb ceo Uh, Andrei Kostin said in a statement, highlighting the importance of creating and developing payment systems as an alternative to SWIFT. Uh, Ukraine-related sanctions cut Russia's biggest bank off from SWIFT, limiting their access to the dollar and euro markets. The drastic measures forced Moscow to develop its own financial infrastructure in cooperation with nations that haven't imposed sanctions. So... uh, I would say that there are three kind of massive barriers to world government at this point in time. One is Russia, another is China, and another is the United States. And so when we see uh, things like the dollar getting pushed out of financial markets and, and this opposition uh, to globalism that's going on in Russia. Well, that sort of makes sense, especially in light of passages of the Bible like Ezekiel 38 and 39, which uh, describe kind of the downfall of of the nation of Russia. And uh, again, another thing that could potentially be seen as well Russia rising to prominence we know the bible tells us that at some point they're going to invade uh Israel and it's going to lead to their to their downfall and we just it's just interesting to see these kinds of things uh playing out right before us not that not that prophecy is being fulfilled in these uh kinds of things that we see, but rather definitely see uh, stage setting, to say the least, in these uh, areas. Here's another uh, kind of interesting one, the Los Angeles Times, Black Lives Matter leader accused of stealing $10 million from the operation, I just kind of thought that was funny, um, Uh, That's not really funny, but the leader of the Black Lives Matter uh, Global Network Foundation has been accused by former colleagues of stealing more than $10 million in donations from the organization for personal use, according to a lawsuit filed in court this week. Uh, Yeah, basically, I don't know if you know how Black Lives Matter operates, but they have a national kind of foundation and then there's all these local chapters and this individual who was the head of one of the of the national part one of the heads of the national part was stole 10 million dollars for his personal use i black lives matter has a lot of money if 10 million of it could be stolen Bowers, the the leader, and his group denied all claims of financial misconduct and chastised those suing him for, quote, falling victim to the carceral logic and social violence that fuels the legal system and taking legal action against him. They would rather take the same steps of our white oppressors and utilize the criminal legal system which is propped up by white supremacy, the same system they say they want to dismantle to solve movement disputes, the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation's Board of Directors said in a joint statement. Uh, So, yeah, there's a whole lot that we could say about that one, but we'll leave that for our lesson. And this one may not pop up. It might take a while. We can just let it sit there. It's actually from the Black Lives Matter uh, website. They have demands, which I guess isn't uh, overly surprising, but I don't know how much you pay attention to uh, mainstream news. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They, they're very particular about who looks at their website, I guess. Um, so if you, uh, yeah, if you pay attention to kind of liberal mainstream or if you read it at all, you know they, that, that they sort of have a list of demands as well. But here are Black Lives Matter, seven demands right from their website. If it would pop up, you could see it, but I have it right here printed out. Number one demand for Black Lives Matter. Convict and ban Trump from future political office. That's the number one thing that they're concerned with. Expel Republican members of Congress who attempted to overturn the election and incited a white supremacist attack. I, I didn't realize that launch a full investigation into the ties between white supremacy and the Capitol police law enforcement and the military. If you know the the, uh, if you've saw the, ah, this stuff could get me emotional. I saw the chairman of the joint chiefs saying that he's uh, this couple months ago said that he's uh, uh, he wants to understand white rage and these kinds of things. Meanwhile, uh, that Russia, China, India are training their forces, uh, to, to go to war. And we're worried about things like white rage, uh, uh, demand number four for BLM permanently ban Trump from all digital media platforms, defund the police. Don't let the coup be used an excuse to crack down on our movement. And number seven, pass the breathe act. There's one that you can, look up on your own, on your own time uh, that President Biden is pushing for, uh, but just kind of some interesting things coming from, uh, I don't even think that it, they would deny that they are a, a Marxist <laughs> organization and they want to do all these various uh, political maneuvers to ensure that, that the Marxists win. So just some things to keep in mind when you go to the uh, ballot box here in a couple couple months. Hard to believe, but it is uh, uh, literally less than two months now. So uh, remember those kinds of things. And some of the things that we'll learn about this morning in our study of the book of Proverbs, where we get into some of these issues, you know, the Bible talks about righteousness the Bible talks about justice and equity, and particularly in our passages uh, this morning, our passage this morning, it defines these terms for us, and that is uh, something that we ought to pay attention to. We ought to know what uh, the Bible says these are, the the meanings of these kinds of terms that are very prevalent within uh, Society today, interestingly, that they take, that uh, to put it nicely, the enemies of God use words from the Bible but redefine them, and that's something that we ought to to understand if we have the desire to act like a Christian, like what Proverbs is really, really all about, and the the foundation. As we've seen for acting like a Christian is having a biblical worldview. And that's what's really laid out as the foundation for the entire book of Proverbs that we see in the opening verses. Not only do they give us these verses give us an introduction to the book and tell us the title and who wrote it and all of these kinds of things, but it it serves as a as really a foundation for the entire point of the book. And the point of the book is to operate in life with a biblical worldview uh, that is that is absolutely critical if you have a desire to live as a christian, to uh, live in a way as a christian you know I say Christian life uh, you can be a Christian and not be obedient uh, they are two different kind of two different uh things, but when I say Act like a Christian. I mean, act like the Bible tells us we we ought to we ought to act. You can see all sorts of examples of Christians not acting like Christians. Uh, if you, just honest, when you look in the mirror, we don't always act like Christians, even though that that needs to be really needs to be our desire, and that's what the Book of Proverbs is really all about. It is not a book about justification in large part. It is a book nearly exclusively dedicated to teaching us about the middle phase or the, the present tense. You may hear present tense of our salvation, middle phase of our salvation, second phase, daily living. That's what sanctification is all about, and that's what Proverbs is all about as we, as we have seen. So introductory material, of course, the book is called Proverbs. It's written by Solomon. He reigned oh, around 950 or so uh, B.C. before Christ and, and obviously wrote these Proverbs within his lifespan, at least the first 29. And then we have uh, 30 written by Agur Lemuel, uh, <laughs> written, uh, wrote Proverbs thirty-one. The theme is wisdom, which is applying knowledge to to your life. Foundation is fearing the Lord, understanding our relationship to the Lord, who He is, who we are. Uh, we looked at the structure. It is a book of poetry, and we see that the the God of the Bible is described very much. In the, in the book of Proverbs, it's, it's talking about the God, of, the God of Israel, the God, of course. And last time, we uh, didn't make it very far into this study. We saw who the author, we looked at the author. Of course, the human author is Solomon. That's described mostly Solomon, described in the very first verse. But we see that last phrase there. The Son of David, the King of israel well where does where does Israel come from? It comes from God it is it, the nation of israel is is god 's nation god 's chosen nation through which he could uh, reveal himself really to the world that that is the importance of israel that 's why we should uh pray for the peace of Jerusalem and the uh not that everything the nation of Israel does today that we see in the news is, is right and we have to wholeheartedly support. But we ought to be uh, generally on Israel's side, on the side of the Jewish people as they are God's chosen people. We ought to be praying for them, praying that they will, uh, one, come to salvation, come to trust in Jesus as their Messiah uh, but on back to Proverbs, the author of this book is God Himself. God inspired all Scripture, inspired the human writers to write down what He wanted them to record for our benefit. And if we expect to have a biblical world view, we ought to un, we have to understand who the author of these words is, and that is. God himself, the eternal God, the one who has always been, the creator God, the one who created uh everything that we see and we don't see. Uh, he is our savior. He's the God of wisdom. He's omniscient. Uh he gave this wisdom to Solomon, all of these uh incredible truths. Not to mention the fact that he is the God of truth that like, God didn't just invent truth, he is truth. Uh, and and he's revealing that truth to us in his word, and particularly in this book of Proverbs. So we ought to be paying attention to it. And this needs to be our foundation, not uh, some psychologist or some you know, neat uh mind trick that we learn to, to give us peace in our mind or something like that. It's God's word that gives us that kind the kind of, of, uh, mental peace that we need in order to function in this, in this world, the way that, that God desires for us to do. And so, uh, In having a biblical worldview, we kind of have to know some of the foundational principles of of what it actually is. And we see that in verses two through six, where it gives us really the qualities of a biblical worldview. Proverbs 1:2 to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction and wise behavior righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. And so uh, it, it is important if we want to have a biblical worldview to know wisdom And instruction. And this is uh, what we looked at last time uh, a little bit with knowing. That term is Yadah in the Hebrew. And we see it being uh, used, as is typical, by Satan to kind of uh, trick or fool Adam and Eve, if you will, uh, into thinking that they're going to learn and know something that is going to be of their benefit same same kind of term yada no and really all that Adam and Eve knew at the time before they fell was how to live within God's reality that's all they knew that that God had created everything he met with them he talked with them uh, and essentially, they could do anything they wanted, except disobey God in this one area, and uh, of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they, so it's set out for them. They can live. They can d- d- do whatever they want. Just don't disobey God. So God's reality was. They're only reality. And uh, Satan comes along and says, well, you know, if you eat from that tree, then y- y- you can live outside of God's reality. You can do what you really want to do. You can do anything that you really want to do. And unfortunately, they fell for that and, uh, and their eyes were opened to an alternate reality and god's reality is the reality because he it it is the true reality because he is the creator and the sovereign god over this universe so knowing how to live outside of god's standard god's uh reality is essentially what satanism is is really all about it's not uh, necessarily Uh, Like we mentioned last time, you know, sacrificing puppies on a full moon or whatever weird thing that people do. No, it's more subtle than that. Uh, It is doing what you want to do in spite of the moral consequences of your actions. And that's what Satan is doing with Adam and Eve. He's not uh, duping them into some sort of false worship. He's duping them into uh, not living in the reality of God's moral order, and so it's uh, something that we that we need to be aware of. If we expect or want to have a biblical worldview, we've got to understand. We've got to understand that 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 now, as fallen human beings, we have this option: Are we going to live in God's moral construct? Or are we going to live in our own moral construct that isn't God's? <laughs> and it's going to obviously fall very short of God's standard. So as according to these verses, the takeaway is we have to be teachable. We have to be willing to learn, obviously, by definition here, verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. We have to be willing to learn and be Instructed by God in His Word in order to have a biblical worldview. And that's for the young people. I mean, that is just, of course, absolutely critical. Nobody has this figured out. Adults, uh, you know, from uh, the youngest adults at 18 years old up to the oldest adults at 95, nobody's got it totally figured out. But children in particular, when your mind is still forming and, and these kinds of things, you, you've got to understand that you don't have all the answers, even as a, a teenager in high school and mom and dad are dumb and uh, uh, whatever, all of these kinds of things. Yeah, that's not right. You don't have all the answers as a kid and you need to be willing to learn Uh, these, these kinds of things. So uh, he gives us some areas here where we need to be able to receive instruction. Verse three, receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. And these three terms are just, uh, it's amazing how, particularly in the last two years, uh, how these kind of terms have have come to the forefront? Righteousness—it's the Hebrew term, uh, Zedek—I think—is how you pronounce that, and it it means accuracy. Uh, what is right? What is what is honest? And guess who determines what is what is right and what is accurate? Not us. Not Black Lives Matter. But uh, God, the sovereign Creator, determines that, and uh, and just the fact that He is truth makes it uh, very obvious that He is the one who determines what righteousness is and what it is not. Uh, the the kind of counter parallel to the, to righteousness that we find in the scriptures and uh, what we see in the world could be termed as virtue signaling. That's man's righteousness. So you know there's any number of things that makes you virtuous or righteous in the eyes of the world, uh, getting a vaccine, uh, wearing a mask or two is even more uh, virtuous or righteous, uh, supporting Black Lives Matter, supporting Ukraine, uh, whatever the current thing is, whether it's uh, homosexual activism, transgenderism, rights, all of these kinds of things are bound up in what's known as virtue signaling. So you can signal your virtue or your righteousness by supporting whatever it is that the media or our uh, world uh, has their eye on. Regardless of what the scriptures say about these various uh, ideas, if you will. So we need to understand what righteousness truly is. And it's not uh, what CNN is telling us. It's what the Bible tells us is uh, righteousness. His word tells us what is right. Next, we see justice. We need to be willing to receive instruction on what justice is. So here's, a, here's another one that is just incredibly misused in the world. Uh, justice in our nation today means that if you are the member of some minority group, whatever it is, then you are automatically just. Whatever you've done in the past, uh, I, you know, you you don't deserve any punishment because you're in this supposed uh, minority group. AOC, she's one of my favorite politicians to uh, read about in the news and watch YouTube videos about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. Literal quote, you can look it up uh, on YouTube or whatever. AOC, justice is how much does a lady get paid? That's what justice is. Uh, uh, equal pay. I would say equal pay for equal work, but that is obvious. But uh, her, the idea there is that women ought to be... Uh, justice would be women getting paid the same amount of money as men, regardless of what they're actually doing. I personally don't know of a single job in the world where uh, we won't even go down that, go down that road. There are a lot of uh, women pilots, for example, at Southwest Airlines. And if they've been at the airline the same amount of time as I am doing the same job, they get paid the same amount of money. And I think that's kind of across the board, even in sports, uh, that is kind of a big deal. Well, they're playing soccer or they're playing basketball. Why don't they get paid the same amount of money? Well, for the same reason that the uh, track team at Michigan State doesn't get the same amount of uh, perks that the football team does the football team basically brings in all the money for the entire school? But that's a whole nother a whole nother issue. What is justice according uh, to the Bible? It's making judgments based on truth, the reality of the situation before you. Uh that's what justice is. Kind of getting what we deserve. And in terms of sin, of course. When we the wages of sin is death when we sin against God, we earn justice we earn death that 's the penalty for sin when a a just wage for our work the Bible says very clearly that that we, when we, somebody does some amount of work for you they 've earned their pay that 's justice they do something for you you give them pay in return. Uh, When it comes to sin, God's justice is satisfied because God the Son died on the cross for our sins. He paid that penalty. We can have uh, a lack of justice (laughs) dealt out to us when we trust in what Christ did for us. So justice in life needs to be based on the facts of the situation not our not our feelings not our perceived uh injustices that we've uh, endured in the past but rather the truth of the situation uh it's it is definitely not oh you have been wronged in the past so now you're allowed to riot burn the city down loot and all of these these kinds of things uh, without any consequences well that's that's just lawlessness that 's not uh justice. Justice is uh, dealing within the reality of the situation now of course, our legal system in america it, uh, can be very flawed is flawed at various times because it 's being run by flawed people but the idea of a a The statue that we see in courts with a woman with a blindfold holding the scales and determining, that's what justice is all about. That's what it is designed to do, find the truth of the situation based on the evidence. And that's essentially what justice is. Uh, Make judgments based on the truth of the situation. Equity, there's another one that is uh, very misused. It is, uh, the term literally means to have a level path or order, dealing with something fairly. That's uh, what equity is. It is not uh, equal outcomes. That is, <laughs> that is something that is completely uh, different from equity. We ought to be treating people with equity that we come in contact with uh it don't we, we shouldn't be showing favoritism to people for for uh Uh, extemporaneous reasons, but in America, in American kind of our life as Americans, you know, this is one of the terms equity or equality that our nation is founded on. Everybody has an equal opportunity, and that is is the way it ought to be. Uh, You have an equal opportunity to succeed. You have an equal opportunity to fail. And this term is being misused today. To, to support the idea of equal outcomes. That is completely different from uh, equity. Equal outcomes leads to uh, things like uh, equal income, equal, uh, we all live in the same house, we all get paid the same amount of money regardless of what we are doing, so kind of this uh, bringing down the top that leads to bringing down the top, uh, bringing up the bottom and not dealing in the reality of what people are achieving or doing in life. And that is essentially communism, statism, uh, a system of thought that's uh, based in the belief that there is no God. That's what communism is. It's humanism. And we're our our own masters, essentially. Kind of sounds a lot like that, Genesis 3, 1 through 7, with what Satan convinced Eve, oh, you can just live as if there is no God. And that's what this equal outcomes uh, idea is kind of, of based in, and as has been said by many people many times, leads to everyone being equally miserable rather than uh, equally Good. So righteousness, God's righteousness, not our own, not our own invented righteousness. Make judgments for justice based on the truth of the situation and equity dealing with people uh, in an equal manner, rightly, correctly, again, kind of based in the truth. And we need to have prudence, uh, discretion, and understanding, uh, prudence, being uh, kind of being clever and uh, craftiness. Jesus mentioned this, Matthew ten sixteen when he was sending out his disciples, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Be, uh, having prudence is just uh, understanding situations and making wise decisions. In them, discretion. Uh, it is mentioned there in uh, verses uh, four through six. This is having a plan, uh, making a purpose for good, understanding. You know, comprehend the world and its schemes. And we can't do that kind of thing outside of the scriptures. Ephesians 4.14 tells us uh, the kind of the, the negative part of not doing this. Ephesians 4.14, as a result, as a result of the teaching of God's word, Paul is saying there in Ephesians 4, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. This is what Proverbs is really all about. Uh, on a daily practical basis, how can I, how do I live in a way that I'm not just tossed here and there, and uh, dragged into whatever the current thing is? Go back to the Scriptures. Be founded in God's Word. Paul is saying in ephesians four fourteen and and of course, this applies to doctrine in the church, uh, you know the, just a myriad of things, how we should worship God uh, and of course, also how we should be living in our daily lives. Should I be tossed here and there by uh whatever m s n b c is telling me to to follow after, or should I be stayed on the rock? of God's word. And obviously if you desire to have a biblical worldview, it's got to be uh, God's word is where we need to be founded. And so the, the uh, foundation for this, as we've mentioned before, the foundation for a biblical worldview is the fear of the Lord. So we can kind of go through this, these things, uh, quickly since we've been there before fear of the Lord understand who God is Yahweh is the term there the eternal God the one who has always been he's the creator he's the ruler he's our savior Uh, fearing him is understanding that who he is and who we are as a sinner a helpless person, somebody who's been judged already, the Bible tells us, if we haven't believed, John 3.18, if we haven't believed, we're uh, really judged already. And notice again that this is just the beginning of knowledge. The fear, verse 7 of Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's not the end all. It doesn't mean if you fear the Lord, you understand this relationship, doesn't mean you automatically, oh, I've got it all figured out because I'm I'm a saved person, so I can now just go into life and just kind of uh wing it and do what I want. No, that's just that's step one. That is just the beginning. And and of course also knowledge is not wisdom. There are two different Two different ideas. You have to have knowledge in order to act wisely. Uh, Another way to say it, you can't act wisely if you don't have the knowledge. But having the knowledge is not a guarantee that you will act wisely. Also, Solomon being a wonderful example of that. He had knowledge and wisdom uh, directly from God himself, but he didn't always apply it. So this is something that we need to be aware of and constantly living in the fear of the Lord, in reliance upon the Holy Spirit who indwells us and then notice these final words here fools despise wisdom and instruction. That just kind of gets right to right to the very heart of the matter. You're a fool. It's foolish to live in this moral construct of your own rather than God's construct. And we all do it at various times. The The trick of the Christian life is to limit those uh, amount of times that we're living in our own moral construct rather than God's moral construct and to confess it as sin when we do it. That's uh, very key to the Christian Life. Uh, the Bible says several times the fool has said that there is no God, Psalm 14, 1 being one of those. And notice, kind of struck me this week, what well, the, the uh, fools despise wisdom instruction, and this whole idea of Satan duping Adam and Eve it reminds you very much of Romans chapter 1 in speaking of people. In general, Romans 1, for even though they knew God, oh, what's this? They had knowledge of God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they came fut- became futile in their speculations. They invented their own way of living. And their foolish heart was darkened, so the more the more they did that, the more they lived outside of God's moral construct, the worse it got. The darker and darker it got for them verse two, but they thought they had it all figured out, professing to be wise, they became fools and so uh, that Romans 1 22 and 23 is kind of where we as humanity find ourselves without Christ. But thanks be to God that there is Christ, that he did uh, go to the cross for us, that we can have a means to be made right with God, and that uh, he's given us his word so that we can live uh, daily For him. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and the truth that we find here. I pray that you would be with us in our thinking and uh, help us to live with a biblical worldview, recognizing you as the God of righteousness, justice, and equity, and the one who uh, has revealed yourself to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.